0: I'm a grateful alcoholic. My name is George. George. Uh, step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Uh, first of all, I don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, I don't have that right nor that authority, but I have a wonderful journey into my 11th step and this whole program to me is based on step 11 uh, about prayer and meditation, something I didn't want when I got here uh, and I. Really had a lot of problems with it. I was joking around before the beginning of the meeting. When I first got in here, I thought it said, uh, so through fear and medication, because I was full of fear, and they had me on medication when I got here, and really, that's what I came in on, and I needed that medication when I got here. Uh, I'll tell you, along my journey uh, through prayer and meditation, uh, I lost the medication, and I didn't lose all the fear, but I am not a fear-based person as I was when I got here, I have a lot of faith and I have a lot of uh, ability today. You know, the 11th step is the one step we can start at any time in our recovery. We don't have to wait till we get to step 11 to do 11-step stuff. And I think we do it every meeting we walk into. We start with prayer and meditation at the beginning of the meeting when we ask for a moment of silence, and that moment of silence is a form of meditation. And then we do the serenity prayer, which is the prayer part. Uh, At the end of the meeting, we take a moment and we end with the Lord's Lord's Prayer. Another meditation, another prayer. Uh, Serenity Prayer was very helpful to me because when I was brand new and uh, I was looking for a job and I had to go to West Boca at the time it was, and uh, I missed the bus and I started walking home and I was saying the Serenity Prayer because I was angry, I was agitated, I was new, that's normal. I'm around a little while, I still get angry, I still get agitated, and I still use the serenity prayer. And I kept saying the serenity prayer over and over, and I kept saying, you know, if there is a power up there, which I didn't believe at that time, uh, let him show himself. And all of a sudden, after I finished saying that serenity prayer, I guess for the hundredth time in a row, someone pulls up, that saved me about a two-hour walk the rest of the way home, who happened to work at that fractional house I lived at around the corner, and says, you need to ride home, and I'm still down in the prayer. I didn't believe prayer worked, and there was an example. And there's lots of examples in my journey, you know. uh, It tells us in step 11 that suggests prayer and meditation, it says we shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than us are using it constantly. It works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. It would be easy to be vague on this matter. It would, uh, we believe uh, we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. And that's right out of the big book. And that's the 11th step. Now, last week we talked about the 10th step where it says when we retire at night, it gave us a list of things to look for. Now we get to step 11, and the first thing step 11 says is go back and do a 10th step. The first thing it tells us is uh, we, when we retire at night, we review our day. Uh, where We're resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid. Uh, do we owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves we should have discussed with another person at once? Uh, were we kind and loving toward all? What could we have done better when we think of ourselves most of the time or will we think of what we can do for others or what we can pack into the stream of life? But we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, morbid reflection, for we would diminish our usefulness to others. After making our review, we ask God for forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. That's a ten step all over again in step eleven. So here I am, back at ten. 10 and 11, I bounce back and forth all day long with. I love it. Uh, and then it tells us what we do on awakening. And it says, on awakening, it tells us in the morning, we think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our, uh, the plans for the day. We ask God that we be divorced from self-pity, dishonesty, and self-seeking motives on uh, this day. We ask God to grant us an inspiration, an intuitive thought, or a decision when faced by indecision on this day. We ask God to help us to relax to take it easy and not to struggle on this day. We ask God to please show us all through the day what the next step is to be. We ask God we be given ever is needed to take care of our problems of this day. And we ask God to grant us freedom from self-will. I mean, it's laid out what we do in the morning and what we do at night. And then throughout the day, it says whenever we're uncomfortable, we ask for God's will, not ours to get us out of the way throughout the day at any time during the day. And again, the 10 steps says there are different types of inventories. What we're doing in the 11th step is taking an inventory of ourselves. I had a lot of problems with the 11th step when I got here. I'll tell a couple of stories because I like God's stories. God's stories are always fun. I was uh, six months sober, and I was on my way to a – I was in my 11th step already. Uh, I was uh, six months sober. I was going to a uh, retreat, and I stopped off at a Christian bookstore at the time, and there was this book on the shelf, and I liked the, book, the cover of the book. Didn't know what it meant. Walked over to it, picked it up, looked at it, and uh, it was a book. And I bought the book, and uh, I, I didn't buy the book. I first opened it up. I looked at it. I liked what it said inside. I saw it was $22 in change. I said, I can't afford this. I put the book back, walked over to the counter, talked to the people. That's where the meditation and prayer was, because I was struggling. with step 11. And... Uh, they sent me right back. I sat down for about an hour and a half and looked at every book in that section. But I kept going to this book, and I started walking out of this store. And I remembered and, uh, that when I was pretty newly sober, there was a place called Liberty's right here in, uh, around the corner over here at the, um, near the movie theater, right next to the movie theater. And I walked in there, and there was this little teeny book, and I opened it up, and it was something about solitude. And what ended up happening it was, it was something out of the big book, and I liked it. And it was $2, and I didn't have the $2. I was brand new in recovery, so I shut the book, and I put it back, and I said, I'll get it tomorrow. I came back the next day, and I couldn't find the book. As I'm walking out of this store months later, I realized I didn't have the money for this book because my rent was due, and I said, let me get the book anyway, because I remembered the last time I could never find the book again. So I bought this book, and this book is my journey through Step 11, because in it, it was written by people of religion, people of not religion, uh, Lincoln was in it. There was a guy named Thomas Keating who talks about centering prayer, which is a form of meditation I use. Uh, there was other people in it that, uh, both of AA and not of AA, uh, political uh, poets, uh, songwriters, and each one of these writings that was in this book in the back had a bibliography. Uh, because of that, I found a couple of books that took me on a journey through that book. One of them was called uh, by uh, a woman. Uh, Casey Tyler called uh, Heaven Hears Every whisper. It's God's stories of how God shows up when we don't believe he's there. Uh, another book was The Way of the Pilgrim. It's a story of a Russian immigrant who walked through Russia to get back to the homeland and found out how to listen to God. Um, Talked about continuous prayer, a different form of prayer. So all these books were giving me information. In, in our literature, in the big book, it says we look to see where religious people were right. And I was fighting that. Even though I was around a while. So, you know, my 11th step started reading back to religious people and reading some of their stuff for spiritual growth. Uh, and, and that's part of what my 11th step was about. You know, I, I practice prayer and meditation differently. There's about 60, 65 people in this room. We all pray and meditate differently. And each one of those forms of meditation works for you. I can pray by watching a candle, done that. I can do TM, done that. I've done EST. Uh, I've done Pyramid Power. I've done some other Eastern religion stuff. I've done some Zen. I I, I was looking for prayer and meditation my whole life. And I did it, I like to say, through some psychedelics at some time. Uh, I tried uh, getting some spiritual awakenings that way. I was always looking to put a face to this thing that I now call God. And I just couldn't get it. So the prayer and meditation or the centering of myself in relationship to this spirit that moves in this room amongst people like you is the biggest way I felt the God of my understanding. And I believe in the second tradition, that there was a loving God who moved through these rooms that gave me the hope necessary to move forward another day. And that's really where my meditation life started coming in. I was watching people come, go through much harder things than I was going through and stayed sober. And that was the hope I saw, and that was my meditation. Well, if he can do it, if I do what he does, maybe I can do it. I didn't believe it was going to work for me. But that's where my meditation and prayer life started, was emulating the people in these rooms that will be formed. Uh, You know, it tells us throughout the day, we may find we seek indecision. I'm always seeking indecision. I'm always second-guessing what the right next thing to do. Is it my will or is it God's will? I used to fight with that for so long. Eventually, I came to a point that I know that if I run into a wall, and I do run into walls, That all I have to do is turn left or right. God is going to take me where he wants me anyway. But my job is not to stand still. Uh, And the way I don't stand still, it's all about the action I take. And the first action I take is I invite God back in. No matter what's going on. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. If I ask God in, I'm not trying to figure it out by myself. But my tenth step, going back to that tenth and eleventh step dilemma I go through, says that we learn to think to good purpose. Now I know deep down inside when I'm not acting in an appropriate manner, emotionally and especially spiritually, uh, I still make spiritual mistakes. I still do things that are done based on self-will because I am still a fear-based individual. So now how do I get from point A, from that selfish, self-centered, self-seeking individual into this prayer and meditation? Well. I can do it a lot of different ways. The way I learned to do it, and it's only for me, is I was given some discs to listen to of speakers to learn how to meditate. It didn't work real well. I had a very busy head. Uh, people said, empty your head. I can't empty my head. I'm not one of those people that my head gets quiet. No matter what's going on, there's something always going on. Uh, I'm just not one of those people that can sit and go, oh, it just do not work for me. Uh, if I go home, somebody's going, who? You know, and what, what, what did you say? And when I started meditating and trying to focus on being empty, it didn't work for me. And I really struggled with this 11th step. So my sponsor at the time asked me a very simple question. He says, You did a fifth step, didn't you? I said, Absolutely. He said, What did you do when you went home? I said, Well, I did what the book said. I took the book down from the shelf. I read the first five proposals. I sat quietly for an hour reflected on what I did. He said, well, then you reflected, then you've meditated. What are you looking for? See, I was looking for a lightning bolt. And when I looked for a lightning bolt, I missed a miracle. And the miracle was I already knew how to meditate, just didn't know it. And uh, that made it real simple for me. So as I went through this journey, I tried a whole bunch of different kinds of prayers and meditations. Uh, one of the meditations I like most is about Centering Prayer. Now, Centering Prayer has been around a very long time. Centering Prayer is you keep the thoughts that you got. You just don't get involved with them. And the way they explain it, or the way it was explained to me when I first started looking at it, it's like sitting on the edge of of a lake and watching a boat go by and not jumping into the boat to figure out what's in it. And that was hard for me at the beginning. So I kept watching boats go by. I kept jumping in, but when I realized it, I pulled myself back to the shore. And eventually, I got to watch boats go by without getting caught up in what's really going on. And that's my thoughts. My thoughts are the boats going by. I always have thoughts. They go from the left side or the right side. doesn't matter. I just got to let them go and let them just drift through and just try and stay focused on a thought. Not, not to think, but to think, which is all backwards from everything I was learned or taught earlier on. So, you know, for me, that uh, centering prayer was really tough. And... Uh, there's something I'm going to read that I'm not going to mention the writer on this one. Uh, there's a couple of things I'm going to read tonight that aren't all official AA stuff. Some is and some isn't. And, uh, but like it says, it says we seek our information from anywhere we can. And this is called the meditation. It says, we begin our prayers with disposing our body. Let it be relaxed and calm, but inwardly alert. The root of our prayer is interior silence. We may think of prayer as thoughts or feelings expressed in words, but it is only one expression. Deep prayer is laying aside of thoughts. It is the opening of a mind and a heart, body and feelings, our whole being, to God, the ultimate mystery, beyond words, thoughts, and emotions. We do not resist them or suppress them. We accept them as they are and go beyond them, not by effort, but by letting them all go by. We are open to awareness, to the ultimate mystery whom we know by faith is within us, closer than breathing, closer than thinking, closer than choosing, closer than conscious itself. The ultimate mystery is the ground in which our being is rooted, the source from which our life emerges at every moment. We are totally present now with the whole of our being in complete openness, in deep prayer. The past and the future, time itself, are forgotten. We are here in the presence of the ultimate mystery. Like the air we breathe, this divine presence is all around us, within us, distant from us but never separate from us. We may sense this presence drawing us from within as if touching our spirit and embracing it or carrying us beyond ourselves into pure awareness. We surrender to the attention of interior silence, tranquility and peace. We do not try to feel anything, reflect about anything, without effort, without trying. We sink into this presence, letting everything else go. Let love alone speak. The simple desire to be at one with the presence, to forget self, to resist, to rest in the ultimate mystery. This presence is immense, yet so humble, or inspiring, yet so gentle, limitless, yet so intimate. Tender and personal, I know that I am. Everything in my life is transparent to this presence. It knows everything about me, all my weaknesses, brokenness, sinfulness, and still loves me infinitely. This presence is healing, strengthening, refreshing just by its presence. It is nonjudgmental, self-giving, seeking a reward boundless in compassion. It is like coming home to a place I have never left. To an awareness that is somehow always there, but which I do not recognize. I cannot force this awareness or bring it about. A door opens within me, but from the other side. I seem to have tasted before this mysterious sweetness of this enveloping, permanating present. It is both emptiness and fullness at once. We wait patiently in silence, openness, quiet attentiveness, motionless within and without. We surrender to the attraction to be still, to be loved, just to be. How shallow are things that upset and discourage me. I resolve to give up my desires that trigger my tormenting emotions. Having just tasted true peace, I can let them go by. Or, of course, I I still may stumble and fall, or I may know my weaknesses but I will rise at once, for I know my goal. I know where my home is." That's the first meditation that was given to me by somebody that I really held on to, because it made a lot of sense to me. And I used to read this every day, and then sit, sit, sit still and think about words. One of the ways we meditate is to read. Those of us who read the big book a lot, meditate on the words. Those of us who listen to music, meditate on, med- on music. Other people meditate on walking on the beach watching a sunrise, watching a sunset. So many different ways to meditate. Sitting still in a meeting listening to someone speak speak is a form of meditation. So there's so many different ways we enter into this thing called meditation, uh, you know. And I went in 2003 up to Fort Myers. And uh, when I was in Fort Myers, I uh, met with a group of people that at that time were doing the Back to Basics and a guy by the name of Wally P. And I had a sponsor that talked about the four absolutes. And back in 1930, in the 30s, there was a guy by the name of uh, John Batterson, um, who was a personal friend of Dr. Bob's. And they used to do what they used to call morning guidance or morning watch. And what they used to do is they used to take and sit still in the morning and write down whatever thoughts they believed came of God. And it tells us how to listen to God and it was a little pamphlet that was written and it's still used in the Back to Basics courses. It's still used in Akron because they still believe in the four absolutes and so do we, but we don't practice it here in Florida. They do up in Akron and a whole bunch of other places. So the four absolutes is, you know, well, getting how to listen to God, we'll get to the four absolutes in a minute. It says, um, how do how do we listen to God? It says, this is what we do. We, uh, we, we are to be quiet and still, we're to listen to be honest about every thought that comes, to test those thoughts, to be sure that they come from God, and then to obey those thoughts. And we take the time, we relax, we tune in, we listen, we write, and then it tells us what to do. And then the test is this. Uh, these are the things we test. whatever we wrote on. Is it honest, pure, unselfish, and loving? Those are the four absolutes. And if I can answer that whatever I've written down is absolutely pure, honest, unselfish, or loving, then I know it came of God. I've been around a long time. I've been doing this since 2003. Since 2003 to now 2009, in six years, I think there's only three things that I know came of God. The rest was some form of wishful thinking, or something I wanted, or something I was trying to manipulate out of God, but it wasn't a pure thought. Uh, so that's the thing that I look at, and I always run it by someone else because our literature tells us people of high spiritual development don't do things by themselves. They seek the guidance of others. So if people of high spiritual development do that, who am I as a novice not to go ask someone else to ask if this comes of God or this comes of me? And that's why I have a sponsor and I have a spiritual guide. Uh, then we check with someone else. As I said, we obey. And it tells us what our blocks are from this. And the blocks uh, uh, are something wrong in my life that I will not face and make right. And a habit of indulgence that I will not give up. Those are the, some of the blocks. A person that I will not forgive. A wrong relationship in my life that I will not give up. A, rest, a restitution that I will not make. Something God has already told me to do that I will not obey. Those are my blocks from God in my meditation life. You know, and that's called the, how to listen to God. And that was written in the 30s. still applies today. Um, I was going through a thing, you know, and it says we seek to improve. How do I improve? I improve by investigation. When I came in here, there was a pair of praying hands in the room I was in, and I used to think it was a religious thing. And my sponsor said, why don't you find out the story of the praying hands? I said, what are you talking about? He says, this is a story. This is not a religious thing. And, of course, next to the praying hand, it said, but for the grace of God. Of course, now I knew it It came out of the Christian thing, and I was not Christian, and I wasn't going to convert. So I was told that uh, I needed to find out the story of the Praying Hands. And the story of the Praying Hands is a very interesting story. It's about two guys that were artists. One of them was going to school and said, I'm going to go to school, and you work, and when I get done with school and start selling my art, you'll go to school and I'll work. And that was the deal they made. And the first guy went out and went to school while the other guy worked. And he finished his schooling, he started selling some of his artwork, and he went to his friend and he said, okay, now it's time for you to go to school. And the guy said, I can't go to school, look at my hands. From the labors he did, his hands had arthritic and were crippled. And now his friend felt bad. And one night he was walking by his friend's room, and he saw his friend on his knees praying. And the sculpture of the praying hands was a dedication to his friend who could not go to school to be an artist that he was once was. It's a German story. So when I found that out, I was improving my contact with the god of my misunderstanding at the time, and which eventually I started realizing this program is based on spirituality, not religion. And Along my way, there used to be a thing that I found that was called anonymous. I didn't know who that guy was, but he wrote a lot of stuff. Uh, and my sponsor uh, suggested that there's a, a, something written in 1957. Now I know when it was written. Uh, it's called A is a Spirit. It's another one of my readings that I like. And when I first got this, uh, I was just talking. Uh, I just had uh, was talking to someone about this recently, and we were looking for the history of where this came from. And after going through the archives, because I like our traditions, uh, in 1957, out of uh, Kingston, Ontario, a guy by the name of Joe S. wrote this and it was in a grapevine. Now I thought this was something that somebody wrote and it was so great, you know. Uh, And I found that it was something that was said at a convention about AA being a spirit. It says, it cannot be touched nor can it be completely understood. It is as wide as the world yet as small enough to fit into the mind of every heart of man. It has brought light where only darkness dwelt. It has given hope to the helpless and help to those who yearn in despair. It has nourished forgiveness in those who know no pity. It has given strength to the weak and humility to the strong. It has given greatness to the common. It has spurred to higher goals those who strove for nothing. It has brought to the desolate a home. It has transformed sorrow into a weapon of happiness. It has given purpose to the tactless and shelter to the lost. It has taught patience to the hurried and action to the slothful. To the youth it has given vision, to the aged promise, to the lonely companions, to the restless rest. To the sick it has been a doctor, to the dying it has revived a desire to live. To those who have fallen it has been a helping hand. It has no judgment against the unteachable, nor has it praise for those who learn. To the outcast it is a family. To the childless, it has given children. To the ignorant, wisdom, to the wise, tolerance. It has given to all men and women that which most precious. It has given love and truth enough left over to share with each other. Now that's a pretty powerful meditation. To every one of us in here, it has given us something called hope. You now uh and that's what my 11th step is all about. It's all about the hope I receive from the people that love me enough to take the time to say, it doesn't matter how you pray. Keep talking to God. He likes to hear from strangers. And George, none is stranger than you. I needed those little innuendos for my sponsor to push me along that road. I got that lockdown down in my four-step where I didn't want to write. And he says, pick up the pen. It doesn't matter what you feel, think, or want. This is about growing spiritually. Uh, you know, our literature talks about relapse. And it tells us that we know why people relapse. Everybody says we don't know. We, you know, read the part in the book where it says, he'll uh, give you many reasons why he relapsed. And the truth is, we don't have any more idea why he relapsed than you do. And if you go down a little further on, it says, the reason he relapsed, we believe the reason he relapsed, is he didn't enlarge on his spiritual life. And then in a the big book, it talks about, uh, for us, spiritual well-being always preceded the material, not the other way around. And that's what this is all about. How do I grow spiritually? Because if I stop growing spiritually, drinking becomes an option. And I have to know that drinking cannot be an option, no matter how I feel, what I think, what I want. So it's all about that resurrender in step 11 that I go through that my real battle is. It's my spiritual battle. You know, our literature goes on to talk about... A body can fail its purpose for lack of not nourishment. So can the soul. There is a direct relationship uh, on self-examination, meditation, and prayer. Taken separately, these practices can bring much relief and benefit. But when they are logically related and interwoven, the result is an unshakable foundation for life. Now and then we may be granted a glimpse of the ultimate reality, which is God's kingdom. And we uh, will be confronted and assured that on our own destiny is that the realm will be secure so long as we try, however faultingly we find, and that, uh, the will of our creator. I will tell you that along the way in the 12 and 12, it talks about some of us stop praying, and it's only with the utmost uh, fight that we have that we go back to our prayer life. And it also says when those things happen, we should pick up prayer as though we never stopped. Uh, I will tell you that throughout my recovery, that is a big battle for me. When I'm not physically well, and I am not physically well at this time, I don't want to pray. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be talking about prayer and meditation right now. I want to be home in an air-conditioned room where I can breathe comfortably. But I also know that I have a responsibility to the God of my understanding that if God brings me to these things, he will get me through these things. And that's my belief system today. That was not my belief system when I got here. Uh, It talks about the... Prayer of Saint Francis about Lord, make me a channel of thy peace that where there is hatred, I may bring love, that where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness, that where there is discord, I may bring harmony that where there are errors I may bring truth, that where there is doubt, I may bring faith, that where there is fear, I may bring hope, that where there are shadows, I may bring light, that where is sadness, I may bring joy. Lord grant that I may Seek rather to comfort than be confident to understand than to be understood. To love than to be loved, for it is by self-forgetting that one finds. It is by forgiving that one is forgiven. And it is by dying that one is awakened to eternal life. Dying. The letting go of my old spirit and accepting the new the dying of the old self to learn this new self. And that is the process of the steps. My prayer life started long before I got to step 11. My sponsor said that's one step you can do right away. I shared last week about going to an 11 step meeting where I used to sit and watch everybody when they were praying and meditating, being very calm and still and not understanding what was going on. But I went in spite of how I was feeling. And eventually I stopped looking around the room and I started closing my eyes and listening to silence. Not my head wasn't silent, but I was listening to the silence in the room. And I started to hear about that channel. And that was one of my prayers, to be a channel. Uh, meditation is something that can always be further developed. It has no boundaries, either in width or height. It's something that I can keep growing. And the way I keep growing in my meditative life is by practice. Practice, practice, practice. There's the story of the guy who goes to Carnegie Hall. How did he get there? He says, you know, if I stop practicing, one day I will hear the mistake I am making in my music. If I don't practice for a week, my wife will hear that I am not doing well in my music. If I don't practice long enough, eventually the public will hear that I am not doing well and I will not be in Carnegie Hall anymore. But if I keep that practice, I will keep that closeness. In my music. Well, if I keep that practice, I'll keep that closeness with my God. So no matter how I'm feeling, I have to. If I want to stay here, practice prayer and meditation, even when it's uncomfortable. Even when I don't mean my prayers, but I say them anyway. Uh, last three days, it's been God. Just get me through today. I'll talk to you tomorrow. That's as far as my prayer life went. And that, some days, that's all I need. I didn't drink. It was a successful day. Now, that doesn't tell you what my head's doing. But I know that I didn't drink, so I know it's a successful day. Today's a little bit better. I know I've got doctors tomorrow. i got all these things going on. So my prayer and meditation life is just, God, whatever the doctors say, give me the strength to get through it. Prayer and meditation. Now i got to surrender that and let the doctors take over. I still want to tell the doctors how they should treat me, but, you know, I know that's not going to get me any year. It says we are ceased with a rebellion so sickening that we simply don't pray. When these things happen, we should not be thinking too ill of ourselves. We should simply resume prayer as soon as we can, doing what we know is good for us. You know, you tell a sponsee, and I'm going to talk about being a sponsor, and I tell my sponsees to do something, and they know it's good for them. Why do they stop doing it? Same reason I did. I'm a defiant, rebellious little individual. If it's good for me, why do I want to keep doing it? I think I understand it. I don't. My prayer life keeps got going on. I stop. On occasion, thank God I haven't drank over that, and that's God's grace. Uh, I know a lot of people that stop praying, then they stop going to meetings, then they stop calling their sponsor, and the next thing you know, they stop coming to meet, they, they stop being a member, an active member of Alcoholics Anonymous, and they become, become drunks. And then they get back here and they say, well, you know, I didn't do this, I didn't do that, I'm gonna do differently, and then they get well after a while, and they stop doing what they know works, and then they get drunk again. Sometimes that door does not open up again for them. Sometimes they go out and they die. So to me, this is life and death. As much as I didn't want to learn about prayer and meditation, it's the thing that keeps me footed in my spiritual realm that I need to stay in because I can live with heaven above, but I have to keep my feet here on earth. And that's my problem because things in earth will distract me from my relationship with God. It's just the way it is. My illnesses will take me away. My ex-wife will take me away. My children will take me away. Uh... My living situation will take me away. Life things are going to happen, uh, and that's what's going to distract me from my relationship with God. And then when I, if I am lucky enough to keep God in that mix, somehow those life things work out. If I start thinking I can do it on my own, then I'm in trouble. Um, we are no longer lost and frightened and purposeless. The moment we catch even a glimpse of God's will, the moment we begin to see the truth, justice, and love are the real and eternal things in life, We are no longer deeply disturbed by all the seeming evidence to the contrary that surrounds us in in purely human affairs. You know, in our fourth step, it has a great line. It says, we learn to match serenity with the calamity. My 11th step lets me prove that. Uh, A lot of things go on, but I don't have to react the way I did. My 10th step taught taught me that. So those are the things that I get to work on through the 11th step. I come out of it, and I come out that I want to seek to improve my conscious contact. And I do that by going to meetings. I do that by working with my sponsor, working with others. I do that by the stuff I read. Um, I read three meditation books. You know, everybody says, just read one. I've got to read three. It's just the way I am, uh, because I want all the information I can get now. I want to improve this, because it's a lot better feeling than it was the day I walked in here. And they told me I never have to feel that way. And that, to me, is a big part of my meditation life to remember where I came from. I reflect. On that day, I folded my cardboard box in 1994 and decided to walk into a treatment center and ask for help. That was a big step for me, and I never want to forget that last time being out there, being drunk, living under a bridge, wishing I was dead. doesn't mean I haven't wished that I was dead in recovery because I don't like what's going on, but I know it's only a thought now. It wasn't something I was trying to do, as I did in 1993 and 94. Uh, so I come in here and I learn from my 11th step that I am seeking to improve my conscious contact with a God that I'm finally starting to understand, who keeps changing on me. God is constantly changing on me. Every time I think i got him figured out, he throws something else at me, and i got to get a new uh, development with my prayer and meditation life to improve my conscious contact. As God changes. Now, I know for a truth today, God has not changed from the very first meeting I've been into. What has changed over all these years is my perception of that relationship that I have with God. God is the same God that was here the day I walked in. What has changed is my perception of how I embrace that God. As before, is how I was fighting him in my life. So, through the 11th step, I get seeking prayer meditation, I get consciousness, I get a contact, I get God in my life, I get understanding, I learn some principles, I get a lot of hope, belief, I get sympathy, uh, I get experience, miracles happen, I get to practice, practice, practice. Boy, I like that one. I uh, learn about persistence and truth and self-examination and foundations I get self-searching going on, I get vision, I get more action. Prayer and meditation is all about action for me. Uh, I get more grace, which is a gift that was freely given, but I relate myself, and we'll talk about that next week, to receiving that gift by the actions I've taken up to this point. I get a vision of God's world. I get uh, get some uh, emotional balance, some peace and forgiveness. I get to be in harmony with my fellow man and God. I get some faith and goodness, joy and confidence, a lot of understanding. I, I've learned about self-forgetting. I get a lot of restraint from my bad mouth because it always puts my foot in it. Uh, I get to rest, and I get to have awakenings, and I get to be quiet, and I get to learn and relax. I get more spirituality by practicing the eleven step. I get willing. I see a lot of beauty today. You know, when I walked in here, I looked down and out. I could not look in and up. And that's something that I learned. I can see inside myself today and I can look up to God rather than looking and saying how dirty everything was. I couldn't look anybody in the eye when I got here. Today I can look anybody in the eye. What a gift that is. Um, I get right objectives. I get some wisdom. I become a useful member of society. I become helpful. I learn to pause. I learn about balance. I get guidance, direction. I belong. I finally belong to a God that I didn't want from people I didn't like uh, in a place I didn't want to be. Uh, I get some justice. I learn about love. I learn about consideration. And most importantly, I get this God consciousness. You know, today I'm one of those people when I walked in here I didn't like and didn't want to be. Uh, That's the experience of doing prayer and meditation. The prayer life is me talking to God. My meditation life is me talking to God. There's not much of a difference for me. When I pray or I meditate, I am still talking to God. Just in one place, I'm doing it very verbally. And in another place, when I hear him, I'm thanking him. So I'm still talking to God. So my prayer life is listening but talking. So I am grateful to be here. And we will talk about Step 12 in the next week. Thank you.